The interviews and discussions on this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello there, I'm your host Peter Strachan. Welcome to Stockhead's Rock Yarn. It's probably no coincidence that as a low carbon energy future becomes more visible, the spot price of uranium oxide has risen from below $50 a pound just two years ago to $100 a pound today. Uranium exchange traded funds now provide more price visibility for both producers and consumers, which is also great news for investors. To walk us through exploration and development projects at its in-situ uranium recovery project in Wyoming, we are delighted to welcome back Bruce Lane, who is an executive director at GTI Energy. Welcome, Bruce. Before we get into the project details, can you brief the listener about your new president of US operations, Matt Hartman? Yeah, hi, Peter. Good to be back with you again. Yes, Matt um, joined us uh, midway through January. Um, we've known Matt for a number of years. He was consulting with SRK uh, a few few years ago when we um, first encountered him in, in the US and helped us with our Utah projects. So he's a mining engineer and a geologist. Uh, he's got a, over 20 years of mineral development, technical and commercial experience. Um, and we were, um, we'd, we'd been looking for somebody uh, to provide us uh, additional boots on the ground in the US and to complement our team over there with um, with Jim Boffman and BRS Engineering. And so uh, we're really happy that he's come on board. He's worked at um, the likes of Cameco Smith Ranch Highland Project, uh, which is about 10 or 15 miles away from us in the, in the Powder River Basin. He's also worked on Encore's on, on Rosita Central Processing Plant in, in, in Texas. Um and on their Dewey Burdock product, and on Laramide's Church Rock. So to find somebody with 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 the technical experience of Matt's ilk um, is pretty hard to do um, in this current environment, particularly in the US. Uh, and uh, he also has a lot of commercial experience. He worked um, with uh, Sweetwater Royalties, which is the largest landholder in Wyoming. I think they've some very significant trainer projects. So. He's got great commercial experience. He worked there for a few years trying to unlock a bit more of their mineral portfolio. So um, he, he really uh, will provide us with a lot of extra horsepower going forward, both on the technical side but on the commercial side and with local contacts in the US. Yeah, sounds like he hits the ground running. Now, the United States is quite an interesting market from the uranium point of view. Um, what's the current situation in the US and what's driving the market dynamic? for your project in uh, Wyoming? Against the backdrop of the global um, uh, drive to adopt more nuclear power, and I think you know, we're, we're talking about an ex existing or installed nuclear um, uh, reactor fleet of, of you know, 450 or, or around that, um, uh, don't quote me, maybe even slightly higher reactors, and there's a global demand annually for around a couple of hundred million pounds of uranium, uh, there's a there's a primary mine supply of only around 145 or 150 million pounds. So that's the that's the stark gap, I guess, between uh, 
the demand requirement and the current primary mine supply. So that's the global backdrop. And if we think about the US in particular, needs around 50 million pounds more on its own a year, uh, being still the largest producer of nuclear power on the planet. Uh, so that's just based on current reactor demand. That's not thinking about any future projections. And we know that 22 countries uh, declared at COP28 that they wanted to triple their nuclear power um, production. And, and if you think about that in the US, that's going from 100 gigawatts to 300 gigawatts. So a requirement for 50 million pounds goes to, you know, call it 150 million pounds. So that's the backdrop for the demand side. And as I said, supply is falling well short of the existing requirement, let alone the future requirement. And in the US in particular, um, there's really very little production at all, uh, almost nothing compared to that requirement. And that's that situation really has been created since the US was the largest one of the largest, if not the largest, producer of uranium on the planet. Back in the in the 80s, uh, the US generated 44 million pounds. I think the USSR combined may have been around that level or slightly larger. But since then, uh, in the 90s, the mega uh, tons to megawatts program came in, which was the downblending of weapons, uh, uh, warheads and what have you, after the Berlin Wall came down, that really the US nuclear um, fuel supply business um, was was effectively offshored, and so yeah. you know what we found is that uh, that that industry has been in a thirty year slump, and now there's a desperate requirement to reboot it, given uh, that nobody wants to buy anything from Kazakhstan and Russia anymore. So, um, you know, it's it's quite an extreme situation from a supply demand point of view in the US, and so the local industry only now is just just responding, given that prices have now moved back to a point where it's actually worth producers, uh, miners actually digging their product up and we're setting that all around us. Certainly, uh, it's well past that profitability threshold. Now, the company, the GTI Energy has been busy uh, late last year with some drilling. There was a 26-hole drilling program at the La Herma Prospect. What do the results say about the development options ahead of you and uh, on existing resources as well as the potential exploration uh, targets there? Yeah, Peter, we, we uh, started 2023 without any resources on our books. We declared a small resource in the Great Divide Basin, and then we'd, we'd managed to find a very, very significant database for that low Herma project in the Powder River, which is, you know, as I said before, around 10 miles away from Smith Highland Ranch, which is Cameco's project and the largest permitted facility in the US. Um, but we based our resource on on paper logs and some some uh, ground truthing, obviously, of of the the logs within the property portfolio that we held. So there's 800 odd logs that pertain to the property. And what we needed to do is go and twin some of those and actually verify that the historical information was current under Jork. And so we were able to successfully do that. And that what was a pretty modest program of 26 holes. Uh, in addition, we were looking to um, test our exploration hypotheses um, beyond um, that known footprint. And so what we what we had discovered in the database was that there were some signs in the deeper Wasatch force formation below where we were drilling. And we were drilling, the historical drilling, sorry, was around, you know, three or 400 feet on average. And so we, we were able to test uh, a bit deeper below that and also test into the Fort Union formation 
uh, which is what Cameco produces out of about uh, 10 miles to our east. Um, so we had some success in all measures of, 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 that, of that campaign. Um, our current resources and reserves don't actually account for anything in the deeper Wasatch or in the Fort Union. Um, and so part of the next drilling program will be to explore that in more potential. We know there's mineralization there, it's just whether we can bring it into the reservoir. So it's not accounted for as potential yet. Yeah, so you've been using geophysical data as well. Uh, what potential uh, at the do you think you see there at the Fort Union sedimentary formation targets? And, and what's the geophysical data telling you about where to drill? Yeah, look, that, the geophysics, we originally uh, planned that program for our Green Mountain project, uh, which is about 100 miles to the west, um, which is actually in, you know, right on the margins or it's part of the Great Divide Basin, really. Uh, and so we decided that we'd do some geophysics also at Low Herma whilst we had the plane in the air. Um, look, what it does is it, it tells us, it gives us a very good indication of the, of, of the uh, radiometric signature closer to the surface and where we see the radiometric signature um, start to, to weaken, that's where we expect the mineralization to be going deeper based on the drill hole information that we have. And so what we're trying to do is figure out where the margins of that, um, uh, that mineralization are. And so the geophysics really helps us to understand you know, the transition from shallower to deeper, and it helps to confirm our hypothesis about what's happening. Uh, and so... It's it's of some use, um, and certainly it'll help. It helps us with uh, picking where to put the drill holes in future, and it certainly was very helpful at our Green Mountain project, which is a bit more geologically discontinuous than uh, where we are at, at Low Herma, and it's really helped us to understand where we should drill there at uh, at Green Mountain. Should we do that during this year? So I've seen some numbers that the company's put out. What's the current resource? And does the company have an exploration target for the project there? Yeah, look, the current um, resource at Low Herma is 5.71 million pounds at an average grade of 630 ppm, uh, which we, you know, we're fairly confident that that grade is uh, has the potential to be commercial, given that we have the right grade and thickness um, calculations there. There is an additional uh, exploration target on top of that. Uh, in the range 5.87 million pounds to 10.26 million pounds. So that gives us a top end. If we were to come in at the top end of that target, the total project is around 15 million pounds. But as I said earlier, that doesn't account for anything in the deeper Wasatch or anything in the Fort Union, which remains as untested potential at the project. So what's the plan to get out and, and drill those targets, uh, Bruce? That's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, look, we um, we always were um, you know doing that exploration at the end of last year with a with a view to better informing a larger campaign this year, and so uh, Matt uh, Hartman obviously joined us as I said in the middle of um, January, so he spent um, the last month or so or a few weeks anyway. Um, getting his feet under the, under the table and getting on boarded with all of the data. Uh, and working with BRS uh, in Wyoming to uh, come up with a more nuanced approach to that exploration program for this year. So in sh the short answer is we'll look to drill in, during the middle of the year sometime, 
you know, maybe it's August, maybe we can get on a bit earlier. Um, there's a number of factors there. Um, and in terms of the absolute size of that program, we're still working through exactly how many holes and exactly where we want to put them. Uh, so within the next week or two, you know, probably by the end of the month, we'll have a pretty good idea as to exactly what we want to do um, on that project for, for this year, as, as we will with, um, with Green, Green Mountain. And, uh, and you know, hopefully we can talk about that in, in, in more detail. But uh, short answer to your question is, yes, drilling, um, middle of the year-ish, um, and a more substantial campaign to try and build out the scale of that resource and to further test some of those exploration possibilities. Yeah, and just for the information of the uh, listener, uh, the sort of project that you're contemplating here is in situ leacher and situ recovery, a bit like the Honeymoon Well project that Boss Energy is um, cranking up at the moment. Is that, is that the way it works? Yeah, that's right. Look, I think um, both Peninsula and Boss, um, slightly different timings, but, but quite similar uh, projects in some respects. Um, obviously, no two projects are the same, uh, but uh, both Boss and Peninsula um, have uh, an acid leach chemistry approach to uh, extracting the the subterranean ore, so they're pumping a leach solution into into a subterranean ore body. In their case, it's a, it's a low pH acid. The rest of the projects in Wyoming um, are generally, um, as far as I'm aware, are all alkaline leach projects, and that's because of the levels of carbonate in the in in the sandstones. And we we probably don't get as high recoveries as 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 you would generally speaking out of an acid. Um, leach, but we generally have a different cost, cost profile, We're obviously subject to how deep these deposits are. And generally they're around 100 metres, but they can certainly work deeper than that, depending on the grade and all those sort of things. So yes, very similar in many respects, different in some, um, but certainly ISR is the order of the day in Wyoming, and that is the majority of the production on the plant now from ISR. So just jumping over to Utah, Bruce, what's the field rec uh, reconnaissance work that GTI has done at uh, Henry Mountain's uranium and vanadium project revealed? Uh, look, we've we've done quite a bit of exploration there in the past. Uh, shallow drilling, it is a very they are very shallow uh, deposits generally, or certainly our, se our section thirty six project is so, or Jeffrey project. Um, so what we've done with those projects is. Really, uh, we've got a good understanding of where we would drill and what we would need to do to bring um, a, a, re a resource onto our books. Um, however, we had sequenced those projects behind uh, the ISR projects in Wyoming. We think that we get a better bang for our buck in, in Wyoming at, at this point of time. Uh, that our attitude there is changing a little because we know that Energy Fuels has put out a buying schedule, or sorry, are talking about putting out a buying schedule for their White Mason Mill, which is you know around 100 miles down the road. And we also know that Anfield Energy are um, are in the process of working towards a um, a restart of the Tikaboo, or sometimes called the Shootering Canyon Mill, which is pretty much on the doorstep of our projects there. So. We don't have any immediate plans to explore there, but uh, suffice to say that the environment down there for mining at this point has changed quite a bit from, you know, from say in nine, 12 months ago. So, you know, we're looking closely at those projects again and what, what we can do with them and whether we should be spending money on them right now. 
but our focus is still very firmly on our Low Herma project. That's our lead project as we speak. Sounds like the, there could even be a monetizing transaction down the road there if all the um, the pegs go in the right holes uh, nearby. Um, finally, uh, Bruce, what's the uh, what can investors look forward to from GTI Energy over the next six months? I look. I think. I think the main thing, Peter, is looking forward to this exploration program uh, around the middle of the year, uh, and. You know whether we do anything on Green Mountain yet is uh, is still up for discussion. We certainly will permit and plan for a program there, uh, but that's going to be our key focus going forward. Um, there is always the possibility of conversing with some of the other players in that area and in the Great Divide and the Powder River and 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 coming up with a relationship. But we don't we don't have anything like that yet. But uh, we're always looking at those opportunities. But the main focus will be drilling holes in the ground and uh, and adding to our resources, our objective. Yeah, and watching what your neighbours are doing as well. So there'll be some um, spin-off information coming from those as well. Yeah, I think there's some catalysts there. I mean, we know UEC have said they're going to be back in production in August and they're um, 40 or 50 miles up the road from Low Herma. We've got UR Energy in production now and, and, and talking about making an FID decision on their Shirley Basin project, which is only 30 miles down the road. It's an eight point eight million pound project, and um, to see them moving forward with that as a satellite's very encouraging. So maybe Energy Fuels will uh, decide to turn their their plant on. We don't know. We'll look at Peninsula obviously very closely, and and hope that they succeed in getting into production. They're only a hundred miles up the road, and who knows what Cameco does? You know that they, they haven't said they're definitely going to do anything, and maybe they will uh, start to look at restarting their projects there as well. So we think there'll be a lot of activity going forward and a lot of potential catalysts outside of just the uranium price, which is an obviously backdrop, a bit of a catalyst, catalyst backdrop to everything. Brilliant. Yeah, well, it's going to be an interesting time, Bruce. And I think once Matt Hartman gets his feet seriously under the table there, he'll probably come up with some uh, ideas of what he wants to do between now and June, July, and uh, as well as the, the drilling there. So we'll watch... Very closely, the activity there, and it'd be great to get you back in again uh, once you've done that drilling at La Herma. Yeah, thanks, Peter. It's uh, good to talk to you. And yeah, I think we've got a lot to look forward to this year, and uh, I'd love to come back at a later date and, uh, and provide a bit of an update. We'll look forward to it. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Peter. 